Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Modern Retail Podcast. I'm Kale Guthrie-Weissman, the Editor-in-Chief here at Modern Retail. And this week, I'm really excited. We have Mike Mayer. He's the co-founder of Windmill. And this is one of those rare episodes where I promise it's not SponCon, but I actually own a windmill. And so I know the product intimately. <laughs> uh, um, uh, and, but we won't be going into my experience with it, which has been overall fine. But I want to just talk about the state of both air conditioning and air quality, because I know you guys have been expanding into things beyond the air conditioner. I'm really fascinated with uh, with just your general growth plan. You guys have seen some pretty great growth over the last few years. And also, the reason why I know about it is because you seem really good at earned media. And so I love to talk to people about earned media. But Mike, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Appreciate you uh, you having me on. And also, thank you for being a customer. It's a yeah, nice, no worries. A nice little surprise to hear. Yeah, no, I, I, think, I think it was the wire cutter is the reason why I'm the customer. And so, you know, I... The, Amazing. I, um, but first... Tell me, listeners, about yourself. How did you get into the air conditioning, air quality uh, business? Yeah, so uh, b- believe it or not, I was I was not uh, an expert uh, in HVAC and, and air conditioning. I actually worked for tech startups for about seven years before starting Windmill. Uh, but our our third co-founder, Ryan, he's he's really our our hook into air conditioning. His family has been in air conditioning in New York for. Almost sixty years now. His, oh wow! His gra- oh yeah, his grandpa started the family business in a station wagon, rolling around Manhattan, going up to people's apartments, take taking out their window ACs and cleaning them in the back of his car, and then bringing them back up for like eight dollars a a unit. And so he would just do that, you know, consistently. And then eventually, his son Ryan's dad uh, grew the business to be more of a full service repair installation and ultimately manufacturing business. Uh, and so when I was helping my older brother, who's also a co-founder, there's three of us. Uh, so now, now they're all introduced my, my older, older brother and Ryan, when I was moving my older brother, uh, to a new apartment in Manhattan, we get up to the, his apartment and there's just like the worst window AC you can imagine. It's like yellowing, it's cracking, you know, the side panels are letting in air. It's loud. It's not really cooling the room. And we didn't know what to do with it. So we we ended up calling Ryan to say, hey, what do we do with this thing? And also, can you bring new ACs up? And so he sent a couple of his technicians. They put in, at the time, what was like the top of the line unit. And we sort of, we, we had lunch after. And we sort of stepped back and we were just like, this experience was super easy only because we knew a guy. And the unit that, that they put in was, was ugly. It didn't connect to an app. Like it just didn't feel like a modern experience. And given our connection to Ryan and his family's infrastructure, my background in tech startups, my brothers also in, in, in software and, and, uh, and startups, we thought we were the team to do it. And if you look at, at the time, this was in 2018, you know, other companies that I really admired, like Casper, you know, Quip, sort of like there were there were so many companies that were re- reimagining almost everything around your around your home or in your home, except for the AC. And so that was the aha moment, sort of at lunch after the move. Uh, we thought, you know, hey, let's let's give this a go. Was your idea a question of aesthetics and and like I guess? wireless technology or was there something else that you found that made your AC different from the AC I can get at Lowe's or Home Depot or whatever? 
For sure. So the, I mean, we did a lot of customer research before we started the business, before we started, you know, the engineering process. And the two things that stuck out were, were design and installation. I know you didn't, you know, want to talk about your experience with, with the AC, but if you, if you remember when you unboxed it, you didn't have to screw anything in to the AC. Everything was pre-assembled for you. So that, that wrap that goes around the AC, that's what we call the install kit. And we pre-assemble that for customers like you. So you don't have to go and screw in a top bar and a bottom bar and, and the side panels and everything. Cause it's, you know, it's a little risky if you don't screw it in. Right. Um, so we just did everything for the customer already in the box. So it's ready to go. Um, so, you know, we have that, that patent pending install kit, which is, you know, unlike anything, uh, in, in the market today. And then of course, you know, the design, we spent a lot of time finding the right industrial design partner. Um, and you know, that's something that customers aren't used to seeing uh, a window AC that looks good in their window. It's usually like, Oh, that thing is such an eyesore. How do I cover it up versus people come over and they say, what is that speaker in your window? And you're like, nope, it's, it's not a speaker. It's a window AC. So those are the top two things. And then you also referenced, you know, the, the, the app. Uh, and, and that was something that, you know, it's, it's not with other units on the market, they might have smart capabilities, but the app is horrible. And so mm-hmm. we spent a lot of time sort of customizing that experience and making sure it's, uh, it's top notch. Got it. And so 2018 is when you're with your brother and your other co-founder and you came up with this idea. How long did it take to get to market? What was the go-to-market plan? Walk me through all that. Yeah. So the go-to-market plan was the summer of 2020, <laughs> uh, which <laughs> the go-to-market plan sort of got, uh, you know, got annihilated, uh, by, by, by COVID, um, you know, as did many, many things in the, in the world at that time, unfortunately. Um, and so we had to sort of think quickly. I mean, you know, it took us two years basically to get everything ready to go through the design and engineering and find a factory and, and, and the whole nine, uh, and ultimately had a, had a really awesome launch plan for 2020 that we had to scrap. Uh, and so what we, we couldn't get units from the factory to the U.S. just given uh, all the complications in the supply chain and, and also getting containers. You know, th- there weren't that many containers available. They were super expensive. Um, and so we had to do sort of a beta launch in 2020. Um, we still launched, but it was a, it was on a much smaller scale. Uh, and, and it was also after the summer. <laughs> so we had oh, to... God. Yeah. So imagine, right, launching an air conditioning company uh, during a pandemic in the fall <laughs> instead of in the season. So we, we produced a lot fewer units and, um, you know, just got the concept out there. We did have a few hundred customers um, who were using the product and giving us feedback. And so we sort of turned it into a research beta versus a full-scale launch. I wanted to ask you about this because that was sort of the time when there were a few different quote unquote DTC air conditioning companies. And I feel like they all touted their wait list and they all touted how like they were in and it that it had to do with supply chain, as you mentioned, also the fact that everybody was stuck at home and wanted things to be delivered. So did you could were you able to use that sort of to your advantage to make uh, a kind uh what's the word I'm looking for? Like you you had something that was in high demand but short supply. And was did, did that was there a marketing element to that that you found worked as well? Or were you just waiting until you were able to ship everything out and then do it en masse? So we stumbled upon that, that, that insight by accident. Like it would, it was not my choice 
to have a wait list and to, you know, the first few hundred people that signed up, we would, we would ship a unit to, and then the rest, we were like, sorry, like we just literally don't have units, but you can pre-order for next year. Like I, I didn't want to do that. I it's, it, it's not the cleanest way to launch a, a brand and a business, but, but you are right in that it did sort of stir up some buzz. Uh, and, and, you know, you mentioned earn media before that was sort of the big, um, again, we sort of stumbled upon this sort of big insight that like people wanted to talk about wait lists. Like that was a thing. And we, we got a few articles literally just saying, you know, the AC company that has 10,000 people on their wait list is finally launching. So we, we did use that to, to our advantage, but again, it was sort of by, uh, by accident. Got it. Uh, so walk me through the, the couple of years after the initial wait list with growth. How, how has that gone? What, what was it pretty much just a steady growth up or how, how did it all go? Well, we're, we're in an interesting business where it's fairly seasonal. Yeah. So, you know, we had from when we, when we did the beta launch in the fall of 2020, we had basically the fall of 2020 until like April 2021 to really plan like the actual launch in the first real season. Um, so in a sense, like looking back on it, it was, it was kind of nice um, because we got to interview our first customers. We got to actually install, we installed like the first 40 units for, for customers in New York. Like we got to see what the process was like, talk to people in real time, see the, you know, the apartments that we were putting the the units in. And so it was really helpful in, in terms of understanding our target customer a little bit more. Um, and also we had time to sort of redo some things that, you know, we thought we, we, we messed up. Um, I'll give you an example of that. We launched the beta in, in 2020 with a massive box. It was like one and a half times the size of the box that you probably got. Um, which we did because we just were like fighting the clock to get something out the door. Uh, and we didn't have any other suppliers that were like willing to work with us at the time. So we had this massive box and people were like, Hey, I like, I can't get the box through like my hallway. So what should, what should I do? Uh, and so, you know, that's one of those things where we're like, okay, we have to cut the box size. We still wanted to keep the install kit pre and pre-assembled, which is why the box is, is maybe a little bit bigger than, than other units that, that you'd see out in, in the market, but it's because it's just an easier install experience. So we wanted to keep that, but we still had to cut the box size. Um, so we did that. We, we had some other materials that better explain what the unit does and, you know, kind of reimagine the, the, uh, the manual a little bit to be more like a children's picture book. Um, but, you know, so we made those changes and then, then, you know, it seems like, in April of 2021, the floodgates sort of opened. Um, we got a lot of a lot of earned media, um, mostly coming off the back of the of the waitlist. And finally, you know, the most beautiful window AC unit is now available. And so it's those kinds of titles that that really started to to hit. Um, and there was a, a a writer at Forbes who called us the the iPhone of air conditioning in 2020, but he never got a unit. And so when he got a unit he did a review and it was amazing. And, um, so it was, it was some nice continuity from, from the beta to the actual launch. And, uh, and, and I guess earned media sort of lifted us up and we had a, we had a big year, you know, um, we had a, we had a big year that first selling full selling season. 
2021. How did the next year go after that? Yeah, we tr- we more than tripled growth in 2022 from 2021. And that's where we, we really started to expand our marketing mix. So it wasn't just sort of, you know, PR that was that was pushing us forward. We, we had to then have a healthier mix. So, you know, we started um, going bigger and into into uh, Facebook and um, and Google uh, and we experimented a little bit with TV, which we're now. Really? Oh yeah, we're we're, we're it, I say experiment because we. This is the first time we've ever done it. We were sort of dipping our toes in the water, uh, and now we you know we have a little bit more experience with it. We kind of know what works and what doesn't, and so we're zeroing in on that this year. And so uh, hopefully everyone sees us on on their favorite streaming channel or or. Uh, TV at some point in the next couple months. I want to get into that more, but I want to step back a little bit because you uh, you mentioned uh, v- sort of the expanding the marketing. Did you did you do any paid marketing in the 2021 year, or was it all just earned media and you 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 had sort of that lifting your tide? We did, um, but it was sort of later in the year um, once once sort of the PR started fizzling out um, later in the summer. So. I would say we we spun up our first campaign sort of later in the summer in 2021, but it wasn't enough to really feel like we cracked the code. Got it. What made you do it so late in the season? Well, the the heat and the PR were really uh, carrying us through. So we didn't, you know, when we're talking about like acquisition costs and, you know, we wanted to make sure that we were keeping those uh, to, you know, pretty low. And so we didn't want to spend a ton of money if we were, if we were driving units and the velocity and the volume was there, we didn't want to mess with that. Can you talk about distribution expansion? Cause I think of you predominantly as a DTC company, but that's because I think, think I bought on your website, but you're available in Home Depot and other places, right? Yeah, we're, we're available on, uh, Home Depot, uh, in PC Richard, uh, stores, you know, in the tri-state area. Um, also their website, Amazon, Walmart.com. Um, we made a we made a really big push in the beginning. Uh, this was in 2020. We started talking to buyers at, at retailers. Um, I remember sending a presentation to a buyer that I found on LinkedIn at at Home Depot with our picture, the picture of the unit and all the benefits. And it wasn't we didn't even have a physical product yet at that time, but I knew it took a long time to sell buyers, especially as a new company. And so our strategy going in was was always to be omni-channel, not just, you know, D2C basically means you have a, a website and you can sell your product on your website. That's only one piece of uh, the distribution puzzle, especially in this category, because a lot of people want to go to a trusted retailer to buy an appliance like this. Um, I think that's, you know, it's changing with marketplaces and and sort of the evolution of e-com, but, but still people want to go in store. They, you know, they trust Lowe's or Home Depot and, um, we're launching on Lowe's.com this, this summer, actually. So congrats. Thank you. Yeah. So we're, we're expanding, you know, we're expanding our retail footprint, which has been huge, huge for us. And, um, we launched with Home Depot and PC Richard in 2021 and, you know, we're, we're growing with them, uh, today. Is retail a bigger piece of the pie than your e-com sales or sort of how does it all play out when, when push comes to shove? Yeah, it's about, it's about half, uh, our, our website, um, and then half retail. And does, when you say your website, 
That is a nice split. When you say your website, does that include Amazon or is that something else or is that with retail? Yeah. So, I, so retail, um, I, you know, I'm talking about sort of the traditional yeah, yeah, yeah. retailers. So you're right that it's, it's, you know, when I say sort of like online, it's, it's our website and marketplaces, um, like, like Amazon. Um, and then the other side of that is like the Home Depot, Lowe's, uh, PC Richard. What is your price? I mean, do you have a pricing strategy for Amazon specifically so that you can make the economics work? Do you have, you know, you only have a couple of products, so it's not like you can have necessarily a curated strategy of putting right. certain things on there. How, how do you uh, approach Amazon for this type of thing? Just taking a step back, I mean, our, our, we, we want to keep our prices even across the board. So we don't want Amazon to be lower than our website, you know, lower than Home Depot. So so we're mapped. Um, so we have a map policy you know, this is how this is how low you can go, but you can't go any lower, uh, basically. And we and we talk to our retail partners about that. You know, we're controlling the price on Amazon, so we do that ourselves. Um, and you know, if we're doing a promo, which you know we we haven't done a lot of, um, but we're sort of testing different promo strategies. Um, again, we'll we'll map that, so we'll tell all of our retail partners in Amazon. Hey, we're doing a $30 promo in these five days. Those are the only five days you can drop $30. So that, that's how we're trying to keep things consistent. You know, I don't, I think you see some brands out there that, you know, you can find a, I'm making this up. You can find a cooler for $40 on this website and you can find that same cooler for $35 on another website. Like we don't want to play that game. We want to keep everything consistent across the board. Yeah, I, that makes a lot of sense. Do you wish more people bought it from your website as opposed to Amazon, or are you agnostic as if they buy it, you're happy? Yeah, more the latter. I mean, if you you know, we want to meet people where they are. If if you want to shop on Amazon and that's the only platform you'll buy on, then great. And you know, we want to be a top choice on that platform. Uh, if you want to go through our website and you know get the full experience, also you know, also great. Or if you want to go into a PC Richard and Son store and play with the unit and actually see it in in real life. Awesome, because there's a lot of customers that want to do that before they they buy something like this. So let's talk about the the TV side of things cuz that's, you know, a pretty hefty investment and that means that you're going for real top of funnel, you know, brand yeah. sort of engagement. How are you approaching that? I, I was racking my brain before thinking about have I ever seen an air conditioner commercial and I the only thing I can think of is like I think the Kenmore man or something like that, like something from Sears where like it was about <laughs> the retailer, not necessarily the product, though maybe I'm wrong. You would know more than I. So how, how are you thinking about this given that an air conditioner and like even if we go into the HVAC part of things like filters, they're not really branded often. You know what I mean? For sure. And, and I think that's that's the the magic that we bring to to this category is, is you know, we, we have a brand, we have a personality. Uh you know, in, in everything that we do. And so, you know, TV is no different. Um, it was a big decision. You know, it is a big investment. It not just, not just buying the media, but figuring out the creative and, and shooting something that's high enough quality to convert on, on TV. And so, you know, we went to LA, uh, we found an amazing partner. Um, and I, I had a, I had a blast coming up with concepts you know, with the, with the team, uh, going over there and like actually seeing it all come, you know, come to life. That's like w- one of my favorite parts of the, of the marketing journey so far. Uh, and then, you know, when, then it comes to, okay, well, here's the creative. Now it's like, well, how do we want to get it out there? Um, you know, what are the, what are the right, uh, where are the right places to put it? You know, there's sort of remnant linear where 
it's just like cheap spots at random times, but you can't really control where it goes. Then there's, you know, you can actually like say you want to put it on Hulu or, you know, in any one of these streaming services. And so we, in the first year, we played around with it. We did a, a mix of things. You know, you can target certain households and certain geographies. And, you know, we know our target customer pretty well. So we did a little bit of that, uh, even though it's more expensive. Um, and so now this year, we're really trying to dial that in. And it's not just sort of a spray and play approach. We have data on on what worked. And so we're just going to double down on uh, on those specific channels or uh, geographies that worked for us last year. What what did you find work? Was it you know did you target people like me, a millennial in a in a city in April, and you found that 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 worked? Or what 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 was the secret sauce? Yeah, for sure. Um, there's two two things. One is targeting, and and one is timing and getting lucky. You know, we started we started in March and April last year, and it didn't really get hot until mid May. And so I'll tell you what didn't work was spending a lot on TV when it's not hot outside for a window air conditioner. <laughs> and what did work um, was one targeting. So, so yes, um, we did target sort of the young professional millennial in urban areas. Um, although that was a little bit more costly, um, but conversion was solid. And another thing that was interesting was um, we got, you know, per like channel data. And so, uh, you know, HDTV, I, you know, it sounds intuitive, I guess, right? Um, people that are thinking about their homes and they want to watch renovations and, you know, they they gravitated towards our product, you know, more than uh, some other channels, you know, like ESPN, for example, which like didn't convert. So how did you, you know, yeah. No, keep going. Sorry about that. No, I, I'm, I'm good. I was going to say that's sort of what we're doing this year is um, going channel by channel, figuring out what worked, who was watching, and then and then crafting a strategy around that. How are you approaching attribution when it comes to this? Because it seems like with linear, you can sort of do it, but not quite. Do you have QR codes? Are you doing a call to action to go to your site? How, like, how, how, are you, how are you trying to quantify that? Yeah, super tricky uh, to do, especially when it's your first year doing TV. Um, I think what we what we've decided internally is that TV spend is part brand building and you know part performance. I I mean we do have a platform that sort of directionally tells us um, what happened, and so there's you know some pixels on our site from this software company that helps us track uh, if somebody bought you know at a certain time when the commercial was playing or you know, visits the site. Um, I, I think it's, I think you have to be careful with those platforms because it's not so obvious. It's not like somebody clicks on a ad on Facebook, goes to your site, converts with the Facebook pixel. And, and like, you know, you know, with close to a hundred percent certainty that that came from that ad. Um, but with TV, it's not. And so I think you have to take the conversion data directionally. And so we've just, been pretty honest with ourselves on that. It's like, okay, we're going to spend a lot of it's going to be brand to build the brand. Um, and we'll get some directional conversion data that we can optimize off of, but we're not like super sticklers about it right now. Got it. Makes sense. Let's uh, talk about the the expansion because you guys are now doing HVAC filters, right? We are. Yeah. That's a, it's an exciting, we actually launched this week. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> yeah. They're there. It's a central air filter subscription business, you know, uh, only 30% of homes require a room air conditioner or window air conditioner. 
So there's a massive part of the country that has central air, um, you know, that, that need filters consistently to keep one, their, their system, uh, free of problems, uh, and two, their air clean. And so, you know, our, our approach as a company is to help people live more comfortably. Um, you know, we call ourselves a, a modern air care brand. We're not just a window air conditioner company. And so, you know, we were like, Hey, we're, we're building an amazing solution for part of the country. Let's build an, another amazing solution for the rest of the country. And so that's where the, you know, windmill filters, uh, business comes in. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. I mean, like, I feel like windows units, there are a lot of, you know, millions, probably tens of millions of people out there who have them, but also, you know, it's a demographic that does not really extend beyond major urban areas. Um, what I find so fascinating about the HVAC part is that it is it is somehow even less branded than the window unit. Like at least <laughs> I can like walk down the street and like point out on like and say like that's a windmill. I know what that is. It looks different than the usual one. You can't do that with a filter. So how are you thinking about that? Yeah, uh, you're 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 right, and I think this is you know this is where marketing innovation comes in. You know f- to to get us to break through in this category. I, I will say on the product side at least. We're working with the number one media manufacturer in the world. Um, they're really high quality filters. I mean, you can there, there's there's a, a range of quality when it comes to buying filters. Um, yes, a lot of them look the same, but but they're not necessarily built the same with the same uh, you know underlying uh, media. Um, so that's one thing on the product side. On the on the on the brand side, we thought that very early on, and so we innovated around the buying experience and and the the digital experience around the filters. So we, you know, we call it the the filters that text you Um, because when you buy a box of our filters, um, we send you a text message when it's time to install your, your first filter. Um, We have little prompts in there, like, you know, type in Ford to, to get an air pun or an air joke. And so we're having, you know, we're having fun with it, with customer engagement. And, um, when you tell us that you changed your filter, we'll, we'll remember that. And then when it's time in two months or three months, depending on, um, you know, what the frequency that, that you wanted, we'll text you again. Hey, just checking in. It's, it's time for to change your filter because, uh, 82% of people, in the country do not regularly replace their air filters, which is, is pretty bad. <laughs> That's a large percentage yeah. of people, you know, that don't replace the filters. Again, it's bad for your system because you're clogging the air that's trying to get sucked through. And so your system is working harder to pull that air through a dirty filter, which is, you know, ultimately going to break it, which is going to cost thousands to fix. And also your air is, you know, not being uh, clean properly. So it's really important that people do this. And so we want to make sure we're reminding people. And then, the, and then the other part of the sort of the, the brand experience is when you get onto our, our website, windmillfilters.com, you can actually take a quiz and we'll tell you what you need. Um, you know, we'll tell you the, the level of filtration that you need. We'll tell you how often you should be replacing it based on, uh, some of the, the, the inputs. Um, and so we're, you know, we're really excited. We're again, we we just launched it, and so we're uh, now, you know, figuring out ways to break through from a marketing perspective. And I imagine we'll do similar things um, that we did with the AC. Uh, it's a, it's a little bit of a, a wider market, a larger market that's spread out versus 
you know, consolidated in these in these urban areas like the window AC. So it'll be a, a fun marketing challenge to to figure that out. Yeah, I wanted to ask you. So do you have a do you have a strategy set in place, or are you just sort of going as as you like doing sort of small experiments and expanding from there? Small experiments for now. I mean, we're we're before we go spend a lot of money launching the the business line. We want to make sure we have the target customer and the right messaging. So you know, for example, if we were just going to go take out billboards in Atlanta or like Atlanta suburbs. Mm-hmm. Like, what do we put, what do we put on those billboards? Yeah. Like I, I would, I, we would just be like throwing darts at a wall right now. So we want to make sure we're, we're learning what's actually converting and what the right message is before we go and and do some really cool stuff. Yeah. That was sort of the thing I was thinking about where it's filters are a really tough nut to crack because it's working well when you're not sick. And so that's hard to like, you know what I mean? Like for, right. for, for people, they, if it's in a state of ease where they have no idea they're not thinking about their air filters you know what i mean totally and i think you know that's a that's a customer education problem because ju- just because you can't feel it or see it you know doesn't mean doesn't mean it's working like it's you know most and I, i'm i'm actually in an airbnb right now um and i checked the filter and it's caked with dust and you know probably a lot of other bad things um, that I can't see. And so I, I wouldn't know that unless, you know, I went to, to look at the filter. And so I think, you know, I would encourage people to just look at the filter, you know, don't trust that it's working. Just like, you'll see if it's gray and, and dark and, you know, coated with, uh, with dust and all sorts of things. What is, and this is something I don't know because I've lived in an apartment for a decade now. Uh, what is the usual distribution model for air filters like, like yours? Like, is that, is it usually retail or is it through, you know, an HVAC thing? Like, I imagine people don't usually buy theirs online. Am I incorrect? A lot of customers now are starting to move that way. I mean, like, like any category, right? Um, you know, including window ACs. Like, if you, you know, five years ago, you're like, oh, yeah, I just go to Home Depot and I pick up a window AC. Now people are buying them more and more online. Um, I, it's similar with with filters. Like it's easy, you know, if you're in Lowe's or Home Depot or wherever to just pick up, you know, some some air filters. But a lot of people aren't doing that anymore. They're not going in store. They're buying online. Um, and so, you know, there are, you know, we're we're excited for that trend, and we think we're we're meeting that trend with a really modern. Um, you know, easy to use solution. Got it. Got it. Well, we're just about running out of time, but I wanted to ask about what your plans are for the upcoming year. It sounds like this expansion is a big part of it. Is there anything else you're focusing on, or is it just marketing expansion and the the new filter program? Well, in a couple of weeks, I'll, I'll sneak peek this one. In a couple of weeks, we're coming out with a new line of of window ACs um, that are ultra quiet, super efficient. Ooh. Same design, same install, same app, you know, same auto dimming LED display, same insulation panels, like everything you love about the core windmill. Uh, we're innovating on that. And so we'll, we'll announce that, uh, very soon. And, um, you know, again, we're, we're a modern air care brand. So we are working on a couple other air products. I'll, I'll save the reveal for when we're, when we're ready. But, um, you know, there's a lot more to come from, from windmill and from us. And we're really excited. That's really exciting. Actually, one more question, and this is a personal question, and this is yes. about the industry. So I used to live in a ground floor apartment that had bars on the window, and I couldn't put an AC in because, or I had to use one of those indoor ones that were really bad. 
is it will it ever be possible for an air conditioner to be you know only a few inches thick so that it could fit behind those bars or never? Well, I'll never say never, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I will say that for an air conditioner to be efficient and to work properly, it needs to move air inside of the unit. And so if you if you are restricting the amount of space that the airflow can uh, can move, then it's just going to work. Uh, a lot less efficiently. Got it. Makes sense. All right. And that's why I don't live in a ground floor anymore. (laughs) Uh, Mike, this has been great. Thank you so much for joining. Amazing. Thanks for having me. And thank you for listening to this episode of the Modern Retail Podcast, a show by Digiday. If you haven't already, please do subscribe and send this podcast over to a friend who you know would enjoy it. See you next week. 